Hello, this is Stephen King. Well, sometimes that is better. Hi, Georgie. I'm your number one fan. Get busy living. Get busy dying. Here's Johnny. <laughs> So welcome back to the Constant Reader Podcast. I'm your host, Richard Shepard, as always. And uh, this week, we'll be looking forward in time and going for 2018's novel, The Outsider. It's a bit of a departure for King in a lot of ways. It's kind of a crime drama mixed with horror genre, but it does have a lot of his uh, standbys. And it's a very gothic, gruesome, funny, poignant, rather lovely novel featuring his recurring character, Holly Gibney, from the uh, End of Watch trilogy. And uh, my guest today is author Adam de Calibius. Am I saying that correctly? De Calibius. Uh, you know, that's it's one way to pronounce it. Um, usually it's just uh, de Calibius. <laughs> I, I appreciate it. I, it's A forever. <laughs> it's, it's a weird name. <laughs> it's, a, it's a cool name. Where, where is that from? Uh, it's it's actually from Italy. Um, yeah, de Calibius. Yeah. Ah. yeah, thank you. Ah, va bene, va bene. Ah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, um, yes. Adam is the author of uh, Caravan, a fine novel available now on Amazon.com. And he's here today to talk about The Outsider. So, um, Adam, uh, how's everything going for you? Are you um, are you being uh, fruitful in quarantine? Are you working on anything at the moment? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, life's, life's going good. Life's going good so far. Uh, staying busy and uh, keeping sane. Staying sane. <laughs> good sir. That's harder than it appears these days, isn't it? It's harder than it appears. So uh, can you tell me uh, about your writing career? I mean, have you been writing all of your adult life? Yeah, um, pretty much. My story is that from as early as I can remember, I was just infatuated by writing and telling stories. And it was just something that I I did at the kitchen table every day. Um, And I just remember filling up notebooks and reading all all the time. And uh, one day I decided you know, this is something that I wanted to do. This is something that I wanted to put out there into the world and give a shot. So um, I started writing uh, my first novel, Caravan. Uh, it's a historical novel, um, which is definitely much different from uh, what Stephen King writes <laughs> as far as you know intensity goes. Uh, but uh, it's a historical novel. And um, that one came out last year in July. And at the moment, I'm currently working on my on my next one. Is that going to be another historical novel? Uh, yes, it is. Yeah. And when's that going to be set? Uh, it's going to be set in Italy and Europe during the 40s and 50s. Uh, so uh, World War II, that sort of thing. Um, that's that's kind of an interesting period that I, I like to delve into. That sounds very. It sounds like Catch Twenty Two or something like that. That sounds fascinating. Yeah, 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 for sure. So, um, this is the Stephen King podcast, after all. So, I'll have to ask you: uh, Do you are you a constant reader of King or the horror genre generally? Uh, you know, horror in general, not so much. But I do. I have read uh, a lot of Stephen King's uh, short stories. Um, I've read the. Uh, just after sunset collection, you know, back and forth a million sure. times. Um, this book, uh, The Outsider, was the was the first official full novel that I've read. But I've always loved his work, and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to talk about it, man. It's going to be good. 
So what is it about his writing that kind of uh, appeals to you? Because I know he's read widely by a lot of writers because they, they kind of admire the, the craft that he puts into it, like the way he creates characters, I think is, is really exquisite. Can, can you kind of read it and see what he's doing as a writer? Yeah, um, at least I, I think that one thing that that stays uh, in all of his writing that, that surpasses just one one story and goes on to the next sort of like his, at least what I like about his writing, uh, one of the traits is that he is very good at defining character. He's very good at, at mm-hmm. either making someone lovable, hateable, you know, really quirky or really interesting. And I love the ways that he finds he he gives them these little traits, you know, little things that they do, little things that characterize them. And that's, uh, you know, you really grow attached to these characters. That's that's something that I really enjoy about his writing. Um, that and just his ability to to make the story just come alive. I know it sounds cheesy when you're talking about King because he's like, he's the greatest. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah. it's just that. You know, it's kind of like he's great, and this is why. <laughs> um, he just has that ability <laughs> to to make a story really come come alive and um, just grab one hundred percent of your attention. And it, I know, yeah, I know exactly what you mean. It's 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 that combination of people like observing people well and then sketching them out, so you'll feel something for them, and then putting them in a situation where that's kind of heightened. Because I think. If you love the characters, you'll 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 want to keep them away from harm. You know, you you you'll want to survive. You'll want to get through this thing. And I think that's what he does really well, particularly in this book, actually. Yeah, yeah, that too. And I love how he, I love how he plays with the horror genre. Like, if you read a lot of 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 horror fiction or you watch a lot of horror movies, you'll be you'll be somewhat familiar with with the tropes and uh you know the shadow going up the staircase kind of thing and (laughs) i like how he reinvents that sometimes and he sort of goes Mm. oh yeah this is what you know i'm gonna kind of change it where okay the the shadow's going down the staircase (laughs) right something different (laughs) uh and he he plays with with the tropes that we know he plays with it and if it's if it's a genre like that where usually the readers are extremely um you know they read broadly within that genre or they're really loyal mm-hmm. they'll know they they know their stuff they know it's been tried they know it hasn't been and he's really good uh at at playing with that and saying listen i i know you're i i know you're smart i know you're not stupid i know you've read other books i i can trust you to figure out what's going to happen and and it's that trust, that relationship with him that he builds with its readers and that I've felt with him as I, as I read this book and, and uh, some of his other writings that I just find so enjoyable. That's a lovely way of putting it, the trust that he builds with his readers. I think that's a, like that kind of knit, uh, knocks a nail on the head right there. And, that's, uh, and particularly, as you're saying, if you read extensively within the horror genre, you realize that there's a lot of rubbish out there. And when you actually yeah. find an author who actually treats the reader with respect it's 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 quite a wonderful thing i mean i love i love horror novels i love horror films but a lot of it is rubbish a lot of it is very (laughs) badly made rubbish (laughs) and you've got to really wade through a lot of that before you get to some gold in there (laughs) so going back to outsider i think this is a lovely way of um showing what you were describing this idea of like um, wrong footing expectations because for half of the novel for almost literally half the novel 
it is a it's a it's a it's a crime drama. It's 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 a police procedural. It starts off with the interviews, but uh, witness interviews. It starts off with the uh, minutia of like things like DNA collecting, DNA collecting, and um, autopsy reports, and then it only switches to horror kind of in the last half of the book. Mm. Did that kind of work for you? This kind of blending of these two genres. It did, uh, and I really enjoyed the way he does that because I. You know, not not to get too deep with the story right off the bat, but something that I love that he he did with this story about making you believe the the you know the existence of the outsider is that he starts very factual. Mm-hmm. He brings you into the real world and he goes, okay, this is an interview. This is evidence. This is the time it was recorded by who, and this is everything that's said, and it's all very factual, all very real, and. He makes the crime mm. real as well. He makes what happened very real and it goes into detail. And little by little, you start to sink into the, the, you start to become a little bit more open to the possibility of, wait a minute, maybe something, maybe something cuckoo's going on here. <laughs> and then you're sort of asked, okay, could you believe mm. that this is, could you believe that this is real? Could you, could you suspend, um, suspend your doubts and run with it? And it's sort of like that question is slowly being asked. And by the time you get to to the end, you know, you have your answer and it's um, it's really enjoyable. So I think I, I like how I like how he he melds those two together. He starts with crime. He starts with realism and he slowly starts to shift to to horror. And um, yeah, I just think it works. I think it's really interesting. Yeah, I, I, I th- yeah, I think you've touched on it there, the idea that. A major theme in this book is the idea of um, belief and what we believe to be true, because at the at the beginning we'll we'll put with this proposition that this guy Terry Maitland, who's been uh, accused of murdering this uh, this boy, is uh, is guilty, and so but uh, we don't believe that because we know it's not that simple, and when it comes to actually finding out who did it, it's a question of persuading other people to believe in something that is kind of unbelievable. This idea that they can open their minds enough to kind of allow for the possibility that there's more to it than like DNA and fingerprints. It's like, can you actually make that leap of faith to actually accept what's happening to you? And I think, yeah, that, that's really important to it. Yeah. Yeah. And um, along that same, along that same thread of thought, the, the way that he takes you different places the way that he he changes the way you feel as you go through the story. So at the beginning, you're like, okay, this is the bad guy, 100%. And you're like, okay, is Terry the bad guy? And you're like, okay, wait a minute, no, no, no. He's just he's just he's just fronting, he's just pretending. And as you go through your your assumptions about what's going on, every corner you you come around just get baffled you know just get completely wiped out, and you have to deal with something different and something interesting. And that's what uh, this is a book that I I, uh, completely binged. Uh, That's definitely part of it that kept me going through is you never knew uh, how what you believed about the story is going to change. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Did you believe that Terry was kind of culpable or did when you first read it, did, did you think that he was kind of part of it or was it um, because I, I, I always saw it like from the beginning that he was innocent. But was this kind of ambiguity for you about that? Because that's a very interesting reading of it. Yeah, part part of me wanted to believe that it that that it was him, but if it actually was him, there wouldn't be uh you know a couple hundred pages left to the story. Um, 
<laughs> right? It was true. Yeah. Five pages. They go in there. They got him. It's a it's a police report. <laughs> um, so so part of me did want to believe it was him uh, because you want to see justice brought, and that's something that the story fulfills. But oh yeah, how do I say this? I did think it was him, but at the same time. The more evidence that's being brought up, the more you have to to go back and forth. And uh, yeah, that's just your my assumptions always got changed as I went through. And yeah, I just I just love that. Yeah, that's definitely the mark of good writing. If you can kind of actually you're not quite sure what's happening, but you do want to read mm-hmm. more and you do want to find out. And you are kind of as clueless as everybody else about what's happening because the answer to yeah. uh, it's so out of left field, you don't expect it. And I think that that's kind mm-hmm. of that must be something that crime writers have to deal with the idea of you think of a crime, then you make it impossible, and then you have to explain it. It's like the Agatha Christie right. thing about you bring everybody back at the end and then say, This is actually what happened. You think it's something yeah, else, yeah. but it's actually you kind of have you know, to write yeah. backwards. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, have you written any crime fiction? I, I I don't know if you start with the explanation or you start with the crime, you know? Or maybe you start uh, with like a cool sounding crime scene and think. Yeah, I want to write about this, but I'm not quite sure how it actually happens, you know. You know, I've I've never written any crime fiction, but I've I've read some mm-hmm. and I I don't know how else they would do it unless if they're just great at sol- at solving it as they go, right? If they're just good, if that's just the way their mind works. Yeah. But, um I don't know. I would think it'd be a good idea to go backwards from okay, this is this is the solution. How can we make it impossible? And then what do the people see at the beginning? Um yeah, that would be that would be crazy. I don't know. I have a lot of a lot of respect for for crime writers and thriller writers because they're able to just make mm. something so interesting and give you a solution, but but make you want to carry along to find it out. Yeah, it's like that idea of um, like I say tracing the steps back once you've read the book and you go back and you think, oh, I I see what's going on here. I didn't see it to begin with, but there was always that thread. Right. Yeah, there's there's always that kind of idea. Yeah. So uh, one of the things I really liked about this book in regards to it being a, a crime novel was the idea that um, how uh, the community turns against Terry Maitland and how they, they're quick to assume mm. that uh, he's guilty because they need this idea of um, a scapegoat. And I think scapegoating is kind of a big theme in The Outsider, the idea that somebody's kind of driven away and blamed yeah. for all the, the ills of society. And I, I love that idea that because it's that mob mentality, which, which would kind of I mean, we're kind of seeing at the moment, aren't we? We're seeing that kind of need to express anger and that need to blame somebody and how that can be kind of righteous, but also very um, dangerous to play with. Did, did, did that kind of, did that kind of shock you about this book? This kind of, this mob idea? Definitely. And I liked how someone who was so prominent in the community could, could get turned on. Because you'd think if, mm. if someone in this in this world that he he created, you think that they would just pick somebody and go, okay, this is the bad guy. But this is somebody that everybody knew, and you yeah. know because he coached all their kids, you know, and and I think that that almost worked because it's like this is a guy who not only you know, but he knows your kids, and he betrayed you know if if he was guilty, he betrayed the trust of who you thought he was. And yeah, he did this absolutely. horrible thing. And it's more like they're they're looking for 
uh, exactly that. They're looking more for a scapegoat uh, than the justice. And I think that that, that plays out really interesting. Um, the, the scene at the courthouse definitely, uh, definitely had me holding oh, yeah. my breath. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I think that I liked how he, I liked how he, he had that mob mentality play out and then tie that into the end. I love how, um, that, that scene at the courthouse, how it's so tied to, to the beginning where it's, it's sort of the end of the legal justice that happens sort of that's the end of the crime story and it's the beginning of the horror story almost um yeah because that that's a moment that we keep coming back to in the story you know looking for for yellow you know looking for the 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 burnt mm. man um and, yeah. and going back to that it's it's i think it's a good marking point of okay the story's changing you know something different is happening and and you know, this is where an innocent man got killed and this detective is going to take it into his own hands and see if he can confront this evil on his own. Um, and mm. I, I just think that those two melding together at that at that specific point, it's just so flawless. It just goes so smooth. Yeah. And there's this lovely interplay between the idea of what happens in public. Like when he gets arrested, it, it's a grandstanding public occasion. And when he gets taken to the courthouse, it's again, it's another of those grandstanding public occasions. And that is like the most yeah. tense moments in the book. But the actual evil, the outsider, is this kind of person who's very away from p- public life, feeds on the on the on the bad vibes in mobs, but then retreats back into himself. And I love that kind of that dissonance between the idea of like the public evil and the private evil, you know? How like people as a whole are kind of quite horrible. But then individually, they can be pretty good. But then you have this individual, the outsider, who feeds on the worst aspects of ourselves, not, not only on flesh and blood, but also like bad vibes and negativity. I thought that, that was a lovely touch. That's very clever. Yeah, yeah. And I loved how um, you, you, you come across the, the notion that there's an outsider little by little. And little by yeah. little, you convinced um that's just and and that along with the narrative of there's this there's this creature that can cause something more than just just to the to the boy who got killed uh it can be something so Mm. wide reaching that it can reach the whole town and and how i sorry i just completely blanked and i swear i had a narrative with this um no, that's cool. I know it. Like I said, it's, yeah. it's kind of, I think that's one of the most fascinating parts of the novel is where not only does he kill the boy, but he in turn calls the boy's mother to have a heart attack. Uh, his yeah. brother gets shot, and then his father right. tries to kill himself. And it's the idea of like this this one act domino affects the rest of like the horrible things in life. And that's what it does. It sets people up. And that's why it picks on, I think, Terry, because he's a public figure. And so the 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 what you're talking about, the lack of trust, the betrayal of trust that people have, that's kind of something he really enjoys. He loves that idea of bringing him low because he's such a respected guy, you know? Right. And Although it does seem strange that the next person he chooses is Claude Bolton. And Claude Bolton's just like some ex-con. So it seems weird that he's doing that, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and the I, by the way, I just found my train of thought again. It's the it's the consequences of, of of what happens to this one kid. And I love how, um, you know, whenever I'm reading a book or or if I'm watching a movie and 
someone, you know, some important character gets killed in the story and then they just never talk about him again. I'm like, okay, okay. I, I, I kind of see what you did there. <laughs> but when they, but when they go into consequences, like he does here where, okay, we go to the, to the, um, to the family's house and they're preparing the funeral and slowly things just spiral out, spiral out of control. It just brings yeah. a level of depth to it that's just uh not only heartbreaking but i feel like it makes it makes you want justice more and it makes it more real and then when you find out that this thing is actually feeding on grief it just makes it seem all the more twisted um so i yeah, yeah that, was, that was one thing that i really enjoyed that he did is that wherever you went there was there was consequences to what happened uh, whether it was with Terry Maitland's family, whether it was with the family of the boy, whether it was with um, even the other families, uh, with the whole town, it's it's not just you know something happens and that's that it spreads, and yeah, I just I just thought that was the way he did that was just really interesting. It's an interesting scene, the idea of consequences and also guilt as well, kind of like for your own actions, because throughout the novel we have this. Uh... Uh, protagonist Ralph Anderson, the detective who's investigating the, firstly uh, trying to arrest Terry Maitland and then investigating the outsider itself. And he keeps on harking back to the fact that if he hadn't taken Terry Maitland in like a public fashion, that things would have been a lot better, that he wouldn't have got shot, that they would have been kind of put on this route. And I, I like that idea that it is about the idea of like your responsibility you know, you have, mm. you've done something and you have to deal with the consequences of that. Cause the outside is like the opposite of that. He does things and then he doesn't have to deal with the consequences. Somebody else right. has to deal with the consequences. He's like the ultimate blame shifter. It's like, Oh, it's, it's not mm. me. It's, it's, it's other guy. You see, you want to arrest. And I love the idea that, yeah, you have to face up to those things to actually be a hero, to be a man, to be the antagonist, to be, to be the protagonist rather. I love that idea. Yeah. yeah. Another, another thing that I love about it is that, it also, I feel like the uh, the the main character, Detective Anderson, and the outsider, mm -hmm. they both they both run into the same thing, which is that they did something selfishly. Which is, you know, Terry Maitland got arrested in public, you know, and and the outsider yeah. killed the boy, and one of them realizes that they did something wrong, and they realize, hey, I'm mm. going to reconcile this and i'm gonna try to to do something selfless and and bring about justice whereas the outsider is just pure selfishness you know only bringing around uh, uh just these horrible tragedies whereas he detective anderson realized okay i did something i did something really selfish you know i i, I got filled with passion mm -hmm. I thought, okay this guy you know he's been around my kid he's a terrible guy i'm gonna arrest him in public and i'm gonna i'm gonna show him and then he slowly realized that he did something selfish and not only did he make a mistake, but he caused his death. And I love how along with, with, with him pursuing the outsider and trying to bring that justice, he's also reconciling his mistake and he's owning up to it yeah. and he's admitting it. And, and um, I feel like he becomes a better person because of that. Um, so that, that it's makes a classic sure hero journey, isn't it? Yeah atonement yeah, yeah. for your kind of yeah. what you've done yeah to own your own kind of your actions and say yeah i did this and i'm gonna try and do something about it and not not to get too abstract but like i'm saying it's like the outsider never has that because it's constantly changing it's not anybody in particular it has no center it has no self when you eventually see when it eventually dies 
you see it moving through a succession of faces until it comes to its last face, which is kind of nondescript and nobody. And I love yeah. that idea. I mean, it's 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 it just it's just like an abstract. It's just like a an absence of a person. And I think that's that's quite chilling because normally in horror you have the like a big character like a Dracula or a Frankenstein's monster or a Wolfman who has this kind of essence but this is just like completely fluid and liquid i, I think that, to me that's like the most chilling aspect of, of the book is just it's it's a nobody it's a nothing it's a blank it's like a it's like what they say about serial killers they they they, they, they can look like any of us they're all around us and you don't really notice them and i think that's that's kind of yeah. what he's talking about it's like the idea of evil being unknowable and everywhere at the same time but that's probably that's probably getting really abstract sorry i'm i'm probably <laughs> Oh no, man! I, I love I love getting abstract with it. <laughs> I appreciate that. Thank you. There's always a level of depth there that it's it's kind of like an endless endless um, kind of like an endless buffet. You know, it's like if you're if you're hungry mm-hmm. for, for for fiction, you can go and get as much out of it as you want. Or you can go as down to the word if you want. Like, okay, what is what is the meaning of this? Like, what is it, what does he actually mean by this? <laughs> And, and that's what I love about it. Um, so yeah, I love, I love going abstract. And I think that you nailed that Good. in that it's, it's more, yeah, it's, it's more like he's battling evil itself and less like he's battling Dracula or less like he's battling uh, a specific serial killer. And it's more like he's trying to confront evil that thrives on evil and, and just takes yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you, it's like a you abstract. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. bless you for saying so, young man. Bless you for saying so. Anyway, I was kind of tipped <laughs> off to that because the book is called The Outsider and it opens with a quote by Colin Wilson. Do you know Colin Wilson? Uh, no. He is an English writer. He's kind of esoteric mysticism, wrote about true crime, about serial killers. And he also wrote a book called The Outsider, which I assume is Westing. Uh, King got the title from to call it this. And that was kind of, it was one of the really early serial killer novels where it's all from the first person and it deals with this stream of consciousness from this person who commits terrible acts but doesn't know why they do it. And I, I, think, mm. that, I think that's where it came from. So uh, going more into kind of intertextuality and other books, uh, this book features um, Holly Gibney. And uh, if this is your first King book, you won't know, but she was in the previous three books, the what's called the um, Bill Hodges trilogy, Mr. Mercedes, Finders Keepers and End of Watch. And okay. she's been kind of a divisive figure amongst King fans. Personally, I, I like her. But a lot of people yeah. think she's a little contrived, a little kind of cutesy, a little kind of um, knowingly quirky. I mean, did she work for you as like a, as a protagonist, as, as a heroine of this book? Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, I loved her. She was great. It's kind of downplayed in this, but she does... It's. It's kind of implied in the previous three novels that she has a lot of um, mental health issues, hmm. and that she has trouble kind of connecting to people. And uh, did you did you kind of was that realistic to you? I mean, did she come across as being like a a real person or just like a collection of quirks, which is a criticism that's often leveled at her? You know, I I felt like she came off as a real person um, because I feel like mm-hmm. like will come across some real quirky people in your time and you'll just be like, Oh, wait a minute. That's a Holly give me like, that's totally, that's her. That's it's, it's that person. And I think that uh, people come in all kinds of, you know, shapes and sizes, you know, and the people are really, 
you know, we're, we're all the same and we're all different in our own way. And I feel like he zeroed in on a really interesting character that is um, unique, unique and recognizable. And uh, you can kind of connect with certain quirks that she has. So I felt like she worked. I felt like she was a really interesting uh, character and I felt like she was a like a real person. No, I, I can appreciate that. And King himself has said that he loves her and loves writing her so hopefully we'll see more holly gibney in the future she's certainly in the sequel to the outsider if it bleeds a, a short novella that was released in 2020 and if you haven't read that yet i highly recommend it because it deals with oh, yeah. another creature like the outsider but in a different context and it's it's really worth a look Ooh, i mean you, you will good. read more stephen king you, you are going to read more stephen king now it hasn't put you off i hope Oh no 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 not at all. <laughs> no, he's he's drawn me in even more, man. I'm I'm even a bigger fan than I was before. I love him. Oh good, you got you got like fifty books to catch up on. This is this is the thing. <laughs> <laughs> I know, man. I've I've got a long way to go, but uh, I'm I'm excited. Good man. <laughs> <laughs> so going back to the characters book, did you have a particular favorite one? Because it is a bit of an ensemble cast. This one. Yeah, it's. You know, when he's when he's interviewing the the uh, sus not the suspects, but the interviewees at the beginning of the story, I loved how every one of them was really unique and and almost likable. Um, and you could see them. You could you could tell everything about them just by the way they use their dialogue and and told their story. Um, so he's definitely has a, a knack for fleshing out characters and. I've got to say my favorite one, it's going to sound obvious, but it's it's Detective Anderson. I really enjoyed him as a character. Yeah. Um, also, uh, Holly Gibney. I feel like in, in Unison, mm-hmm. they worked uh, together really great. Um, and uh, yeah, those were, those were my, my two favorite that I stuck along with the most. It's very cool. I, I like the idea of like um, this being an ensemble novel because again, it's, it's kind of another reference to uh, Dracula, which is also a novel about how an evil force invades society and one person has to convince the others that something's happening. And then they like get this group together of vampire killers and, and kill the evil. Mm. And I, I like the fact that kind of this book kind of self-consciously reflects that it's a book that talks about other books a lot. It talks about Edgar Allan Poe. It talks about Dracula. It kind of even name checks Harlan Coben at one point. Right, and it's kind of, right. I, I like that. It's another thing that King does is to write about writing and to write about books and to, Kind of make it literary. You can tell he used to teach like English lit at, at uh, college, can't you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it definitely. Um, I love how I love how it gives a nod to Harlan Coben. I, I think that's great. I haven't read any of his stuff, but I, I kind of want to now. You know. Yeah, yeah. He uh, he just. Um, I don't know if it's recent, but I know that he uh, has a couple shows on Netflix that that came out. Uh, people that have watched him that I know said they're just enthralling and when i found out he was a writer too i'm like oh my god i've got to read him next uh but right then is when i started reading um uh, this book the outsider and when i saw he got mentioned i was like oh my god hey that's that's the guy that's the guy i want to read so yeah definitely got my next author in my sights <laughs> no I, I like that absolutely so like you were saying earlier about the television adaptations have you seen the tv version of the outsider yet uh, no, but I, I knew it existed and I've been wanting to watch that one. So that was something else that made me uh, really, really attracted to this novel. So I, I, I got to get that curiosity fulfilled a little bit. 
And um, yeah, I definitely want to give that one a watch and see how they um, see how they transform it from from the novel to to the screen and and see what carries over. It's a fairly faithful adaptation. It does take a few risks, a few chances, but most of them pay off, I think. And one thing I, I think it gets really right is is kind of the the outsider itself. It uh, the way it um, it changes its face because. You're, you're, it's, mm-hmm. it's kind of described as having these monstrous characteristics, like eyes like straws, which is a very creepy image, and looking yeah, at it half formed. <laughs> uh, yeah, it, it took me a while to kind of get my head around the idea of eyes like straws. I was trying to picture what that might look like. Yeah. I, I don't know if it means it's got like its eyes on the ends of like straws. I don't know, it, yeah. but it just, ew, it just it, it, it put me on edge, that kind of description. It, it's very chilling, you know? <laughs> yeah. Oh, and the hair too, the fact that it's it's on end and it's black, that just, uh, also with the eyes. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> A little, little tip, if you're, if you're like me, don't read this book at night. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it is genuinely scary. And like I say, and you're not, you're not safe yeah. either because it can come into your house and it, it can appear to you. It's really sure. kind of a, a bizarre monster, you know. And I think that's that's another interesting thing about the book that it does create a a creature completely, you know, and defines what it can do, what it can't do, and you know, it, it, the way it's it's just like a whole creation. I think really works and makes it more effective, don't you? Totally agree. Totally agree. And mm. I, I think that you uh, not not to go back too much, but I think you really nailed it on the head that because it's an abstract is is almost why it's really horrifying. You know, it's not this thing that you can put your finger on and go, okay, here's the evil. Here's the bad guy. It's this thing that can kind of melt. Yeah. Yeah, It can kind of slip through your fingers if you're not careful. And that's Mm. what I love about it. Um, So yeah, I I, I definitely think that um, his description of this creature definitely works. Absolutely. So before we before we stop talking about the outsider and move on to your own work, is, is there any other points you wish to make about the novel? Um, if you if you haven't read it and you love Stephen King and you like scary books, go for it. Uh, you're definitely going to enjoy it. Absolutely. I know that I did. Um, I don't read a lot of horror fiction, but this is one that I I felt myself just wanting to keep on reading, keep on reading, just because I enjoyed it so much. Um, so that's just proof that, you know, it's an incredible book. Um, yeah, if you like, if you like that kind of stuff, I say, read it. It's, it's amazing. I can hardly second that, but we're not here to sell the outsider. We're here to sell Caravan. So tell me about your first novel, Caravan, Adam. What's it about? (laughs) Sure thing. Um, so, uh, Caravan, um, it's a story about a photographer who, after returning home from the First World War, realizes that he's not the same man he was when he left um, and only wants to do is regain that that sense of being alive again and, and regain his humanity. So he takes a job offer on a whim and gets sent to Morocco, living and traveling with a caravan. Um, and from the very beginning, things don't go as planned, and he has to find a way to survive this, this grueling uh, journey across the desert. And as he's traveling, he realizes that the evil that had haunted his past is actually not as far away as he thought. Um, so this is a story about a man uh, trying to reconcile his past, uh, regain his humanity, and survive crossing the Saharan Desert. Sounds wonderful. So where did you get the idea for this one from? Um, this this idea, along with the way my, my brain works, it 
kind of just came out of nowhere. Um, it just hit me the 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 just the opening premise of of these people in the desert and and sort of this adventure that happens um, just just hooked me and so so this book did take me a while to write and in doing that I the beginning idea that I started with is completely different with what I ended up with um, so it it's sort of interesting to see how that idea could change but uh, honestly it just it hit me out of nowhere one day and. I knew it was a it was a idea that I wanted to follow through with when I just found out that I just couldn't stop writing it. Um, I just kept on coming back to it, and uh, yeah, it was just something that um, felt like it was out of my control to to do. And yeah, that's that's kind of where the idea came from. I don't know if uh, it was just one particular particular thing, or um, yeah, it's hard to tell where ideas come from. But that one just hit me out of nowhere. <laughs> Just as long as they keep coming, right? That's the important thing. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, that's the important thing. <laughs> <laughs> when you don't have ideas, and then, then you're in trouble. Then you're in trouble. Yeah. So, uh, was, was there much research involved in this? Um, in in this one, uh, oddly enough, I didn't do uh, a, as much research as I would have liked, um, and it was a bit intentional. I, I drew a lot of inspiration on uh, Paulo Coelho's writing. Um, I loved how oh, yeah. how he kind of leaves things open ended in some ways, as far as where mm -hmm. things are or or where you're at, and you, you can kind of fill it out as you go and make your own choices. Um, so that's something that I, I I played with a little bit in this book. Um, so I, I intentionally left some things open ended, uh, but I did do I did do a lot of reading on uh, the the Sahara and uh, the time that it's set in. It's set in uh, in the twenties, so uh, like yeah. just after Lawrence of Arabia, like that that kind of feel. Um, and also, uh, yeah, just uh, uh, researching the First World War and that sort of thing uh, really played a a huge impact in it. No, it's interesting. I I, I assume you you probably already know that. This kind of period of time is like it's like the lost generation for American writers, like you're Hemingway and Fitzgerald, kind of going to Europe and having these adventures as well. Are they influences on you? Um, I'm 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 sure they are, but I can't I can't uh, pinpoint it exactly. <laughs> but I think that uh, I think that great writers, uh, their influences is incredibly broad. Um, so yeah, I'd have to say I'd have to say yes to a degree. But I, I can't I can't pinpoint. Mm. <laughs> of course, of course. And so, um, what what are you working on now? Please tell us. Yeah. Um. So I'm. I, I can't tell you uh, an incredible amount about it, but I can say that um, it's a a story that's uh, set in the 40s and 50s um, during World War mm -hmm. II in Italy. Um, it talks about a, a POW uh, and sort of his his having to survive in uh, in Italy during some times that were really confusing for uh, not only Nazi Germany but for Italy and for both sides of Italy because it got divided and then for the allies who were there and then him who stuck in the middle of it. Um, so it's it's definitely um, in this book I've done a little bit more research uh, for it. Uh, just out of um, of of wanting to create something interesting and something that will draw you in, um, and yeah, that's that's what I'm working on at the moment. Sounds fascinating. And so, is that going to be out next next year? Do you think? Uh, yeah, definitely. Uh, might even be out uh, before the end of this year. 
Oh, wow. That's very exciting. So if, if people yeah. were, um, I, hopefully they'll, they'll want to go out and read Caravan. Where can they find it? Uh, they can find it everywhere. So uh, if you like uh, shopping with Barnes and Nobles or Amazon or uh, ebook paperback, uh, you can get it there. Um, pretty much anywhere where you can get books is where you can get Caravan. Very cool, man. Very cool. So before we wrap this one up, I've got two questions for you. Firstly, what are you reading at the moment? And can you recommend uh, to our listeners a book that you think should be read by everyone? Certainly. Yeah. So at the moment, I'm reading A Fire Sparkling by uh, Julianne McLean. Um, it's sort of in that same uh, uh, same arena of World War II fiction. Um, pretty interesting book. I'm, in, I'm enjoying this one. Um, one that I, I recommend highly is All the Light uh, We Cannot See by Anthony Doerr. Um, that one's just, uh, just yeah. absolutely good choice. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Thank you. <laughs> So thank you so much for coming on the Constant Reader podcast and talking to us about The Outsider today, Adam. It's been absolutely lovely having you on. Thank you. Thank you for having me on, man. I really appreciate it. It's been our pleasure. And hopefully we'll uh, see you again soon. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be great. I'd love to be on again. And uh, hopefully we can, uh, maybe we can do the If It Bleeds book. Oh, yeah, you should definitely read that one. If you liked Holly Gibney and, and you liked the... The, the 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 pace of the outside of this you'll you'll, you'll read this one in, in in an hour he'll rip through it i promise <laughs> yeah that would that would be awesome man cool well thank you very much and goodbye thank you for listening to the constant reader podcast hosted by me richard shepherd with research done by dr linda shepherd and technical wizardry done by Stephen Leslie Parks. Thanks also to my guest this month. And uh, you can write to us at the constant reader podcast at gmail.com with any criticism, suggestion, and feedback. We look forward to speaking to you all again very soon. Thank you very much.